Hi, this is Allison, host of the I Hate Trolleys podcast by Eternal Recurrence. Thanks for tuning in to our fifth episode. As a quick disclaimer, this podcast is not focused on teaching philosophy, but rather on helping get our listeners through the door on what philosophy can be through a quick diluted taste of it in a digestible and approachable manner. As a ground rule, we do not assume that our audience knows anything about any of this. In episode 5, I along with my guest of the week, my returning co-conspirator Andrea, revisit our topics from episode 3. Starting with a few minutes of banter, where we sort through what characters would make up our ideal philosophy seminar and also our nightmare rotation, we soon focus in on our goals as young philosophers. We question the inaccessibility of the philosophy field as a whole and why the field is important to us individually. Afterwards, we expand on our previous conversation about gender by examining hyperfemininity and trying to deconstruct the ways we might be able to redefine ourselves as girls in an effective way. Following that, we do a quick analysis of modern masculinity and its relationship to femininity. All timestamps will be included in the description. Thanks for tuning in once again to this podcast. I hope you enjoy. Now that this is my second time around, this is a lot less like intimidating. I feel like yeah, it's like weird shit, and it's fun and like whatever random like YouTube bots want to go and listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> I know our massive thirty views. Um. Okay, maybe I should just intro. Sure. Okay. I'm done. All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode five. Five? Yeah, episode five of I Hate Charlies. Um, thanks for joining us. I am once again joined by Andrea, my co conspirator. Co conspirator. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, to reintroduce ourselves, if this is like your first time tuning in, um, I'm Allison, your host of the podcast. I um, created this podcast just with the intent to promote digestible and approachable conversations around philosophy. Um, I am in my senior year and planning to maybe pursue philosophy into higher education. We'll see. But yeah, that's me. Andrea, what about you? (laughs) Um, I'm a philosophy enthusiast. (laughs) And we're running a philosophy club and I just like delving into stuff with Allison. So this is yes, this is our place to just for having me. (laughs) My pleasure. This is our place to just rant and babble about whatever we have. (laughs) I was thinking today about how like, we're already getting like ostracized from society. (laughs) like liking philosophy oh we're just doubling down tiktok i sent about um like my dream philosophy seminar which is like a tiktok i'm gonna show our club on the first day yeah and i showed it to Paige, and i was like isn't this funny and she's like so funny (laughs) i was like pissing my pants and she was like you you suck and i was like okay maybe i'm too far gone and i think it's so interesting that like my dream philosophy like seminar would also be like my nightmare rotation yeah (laughs) at the same time (laughs) it would be on there we know who (laughs) Camus was so funny i feel like i would want i thought it was kama kama (laughs) kamu you know i can't pronounce any of these like old white people's names okay like i really can't (laughs) Um, come, come, redacted. <laughs> Just... <laughs> He's my eye candy philosopher. <laughs> same, same, same. Okay. Loki Aristotle too. Like his statue is chef's kiss. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Sisyphus. Even if mm-hmm. he's just like a myth, I'm sure he's very jacked from pushing up that. <laughs> Yeah, for, for real. He may not be getting anywhere in life, but he's getting those gains. <laughs> Peak gym, bro. He's actually top G. Andrew Tate could never. Speaking of which, Andrew Tate got banned on all platforms. Oh my god, he did. I had a... That was crazy. Um, I feel like it's not even worth, like putting my time and energy into like thinking about Andrew Tate anymore because he's not even in like my my existence like I've I haven't heard his name like since he's been banned yeah I guess is the point it's good because I heard like Logan Paul on his podcast like 
his like team was like trying to get, like set up like a podcast with Andrew Tate. And he's like, I'm not giving this guy a platform. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. Logan Paul so, Loki popping off. <laughs> yeah, no, he's been doing well for himself. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to Jake, which I feel like <laughs> he peaked. Jake is also in my nightmare rotation. <laughs> okay, well, let's like I have to get real serious with this. Yes. First, it's um six nine. <laughs> Cause uh he's scary. Yeah. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> um, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Putin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really think of it on the spot, but I... Mm. The Havergal Gator. No, no, no. The composer from Vitale and Patatratum. <laughs> the chamber choir is in <laughs> the entire chamber choir. All of them like wearing like the like the tampon outfits. <laughs> oh, like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. He's like, did you see like that clip of him like getting interviewed and the interviewer was like oh why do you have so much like blood and gore in like your movies and he's like because it's fun but he like acted like super like erratic and just like kind of like sounded like a crazy person i don't know but i know like he's done like effed up stuff on his like sets oh yeah i'm sure who else oh schopenhauer He'd be the person in your face screaming, nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like, (laughs) Wendy Williams or, like, Oprah or something. (laughs) Just, like, oh, but we need, I I would love to speak with Zizek, though. (laughs) Zizek would be just my, like, comedic relief. It would be great to have Trisha Payton. (laughs) And Gabby Hanna. Oh my god. She would be no, so fun. No, no. She's my nightmare nightmare. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, what's going on with her? Hmm. Okay. Well, I think we need to get back on track. We just, yeah. just okay. like five minutes talking about our nightmare rotation. Okay. <laughs> so, I think today's episode is just like a continuation of episode three. Like, we don't have very, like set in stone plan for what we want to talk about or like topics that we necessarily want to hit yeah. just how it goes but what we did want to start off with is like as we were talking about we're <laughs> we're phil club heads <laughs> yay <laughs> and Let's talk about those social implications <laughs> social implications. and sort of like we're both trying to make the most out of this you know um, we're really spearheading, <laughs> carving a new path. Carving a new path for philosophy. Yes. Philosophy reborn. <laughs> Is that our motto this year? <laughs> no, it's philosophy. Well, oh, right, right. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> um, yeah, so clubs at school have sort of died down, I think, over COVID especially, but they've never necessarily been something that, like, I'm like... I don't know. People just sort of like drag themselves to the club. Um, I guess. And club heads like get like a bunch of food from shoppers and then like just say do what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like the extent of the majority of clubs. But we want to do more. We are determined. Um yeah. we've been working over the summer. Um and I don't know. I guess it's hard. It's definitely hard like with what we're trying to do. We're focusing a lot on like philosophy's applications for like young teenage girls um and what that might look like and also just like in addition to that like i don't know just make yeah, it yeah f- we're trying to make it like appealing which I, yeah. I i feel like if you don't inherently like it there's like i can completely understand why people think philosophy is just like stupid i can yeah. completely understand it absolutely um and like that it's reasonable because philosophy it, it, even though it's like so ubiquitous 
and like it's everywhere like outside of its field of study it becomes like irrelevant (laughs) you know like i don't know um last episode i was talking to victoria olivia and joy about this but there's a very much like a perception of philosophy being like higher level of thinking and like it's super like inaccessible and it's like very much like you know for like rich academics or whatever you know you gotta go to college and you study philosophy or whatever it's not made as like (laughs) it's not made as like a digestible thing which is also something we're pushing towards but it's also like something like i feel like we have no idea how to do because like, yeah I, it is i i don't see philosophy as like a digestible thing and it's it's very rarely being presented to me as a digestible thing for sure yeah well i mean the readings that we have we have like very little text from outdated philosophers that are like in circulation in like the field of study mm-hmm. that are literally in old english <laughs> and are so convoluted yeah um and yeah as you there's this whole narrative going around at uh, about like the philosophy courses at our school. Yeah. That philosophy cl- class is like so hard. You're not going to be able to understand the readings. I've been told that some people have like dropped it just before the exam because they didn't think they would do it. And they rather have a failed attempt on the record than a bad exam mark. Oh my God. And I mean, I want to be careful with what I say here. I don't necessarily understand it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I love philosophy, and I would say that I'm like decent at it, which is goes in part with why I like it. Good at but doing philosophy. Good at doing, doing philosophy. Doing the philosophy. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I can't understand why it gets to that level. Well, where people think they're so unprepared to tackle a text like this. Because it's so, just not what we, what we do. It seems super, you know? like, yeah, it seems super counterintuitive to me. Because I feel like the whole goal of philosophy is that it, like, should not be that way. You should be able to, like, read a reading and just be, like, confident in, like, what you take away from it. Because it's, like, your own philosophy, what you take away from it, right? Isn't that the whole point? Exactly. And yeah, then there's exactly. also, like, a, I've taken, like, multiple philosophy courses. Um, and... And basically every single one, like, the energy that is there, like, mm-hmm. people think they're, like, so much better for knowing about, like, more philosophers than you and older philosophers and being able to reference older texts and this and this and that. And, like, I think that's ridiculous. It, it shouldn't be like that. It's not like that for, like, any other course I've taken. No. Um, <laughs> Isn't, like, the whole point that you're learning and learning to apply it. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I also think that we're philosophizing constantly whether we realize it or not when you're getting marked on a philosophy seminar or discussion obviously you have to like structure your points well in order to get a good mark that's the way that it goes but we have conversations about philosophy I sometimes have conversations about philosophy with my friends and it's so entertaining for me Mm -hmm. and it's it's easy it flows and I'm not referencing any text maybe a little bit here and there but it's like it's something that's like innate within us Mm -hmm. and that's why I like it so much I just I'm really struggling with trying to figure out how we're going to make it more applicable and more appealing because to be honest I haven't seen many ways in which philosophy is brought into the outside world (laughs) yeah I think it's also just because philosophy in and of itself it's just it's just sort of about like how you think right mm-hmm. and why you think what you think yeah so it's hard to like point at things and be like that's philosophy yeah <laughs> you know um i don't know maybe i should ask you like why why you're interested in philosophy past past, past like what you said about like it kind of like coming naturally for you like how do you find that you apply it like in life i don't know i just i i love how philosophy is kind of like the scapegoat of like <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah um so i i don't hate there not being an answer i said this last time i really like how the questions in which you're drawn to and you're pining towards an answer for can really tell you a lot about yourself mm-hmm. whereas we talked about like free will and if we actually have it and i'm like who cares you know <laughs> yeah um 
and now like I kind of know a little bit more about myself in some weird way and so I think that's it's kind of in parallel to like a a journey of self-discovery no yeah yeah um yeah I love talking about philosophy I I I don't even like know how to put my finger on it it's something that just sort of like happened to me and now I'm coined as a philosophy nerd which is (laughs) freaking great (laughs) but you know me too. Philosophy slut. <laughs> no, um, I completely agree. I know what you mean. Um, I discovered philosophy, like, early on in the sense that, like, I discovered, like, philosophy, philosoph- philosophical texts, like, early on. Mm-hmm. Um, like, sort of when I was 12 and 13, like, my first ever, like, official philosophical text I ever read was, like, Camus, like, Sisyphus. It's like a very generic mm-hmm. one. But like immediately like reading that, like the reading taught me so much about myself. And like through taking philosophy courses and like deconstructing gre- deconstructing the way I think, why I think how like why I think the things I do or like how I think, I'm able to like and like questioning every single part of myself, I'm able yeah. to gain certainty in like who I am, what I want, and that's literally I think more valuable than like anything cuz like stripped of like everything of all like material goods or whatever, like objects yeah. or whatever. If I'm just like me, at least I am like familiar with like my mind and knowing how my mind works and knowing what I want. Right? For and sure, I feel like when really you're like young, like so many people have no idea what they want. Philosophy is able to like give you security in yourself, I guess. That's hard to yeah. find when you're younger. For sure. That's definitely a whole other conversation about the psychology behind why people like philosophy and why oh, some yeah. people don't. Um, I have a lot more to say about this, but it's not coming to me right now. But mm-hmm. I definitely agree, especially learning about existentialism. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when you're a, a burgeoning teenager and <laughs> you like look around you and you're like, everything's kind of meaningless, but I'm not going to say anything about it. Yeah. I'll like be chill. <laughs> Um, just seeing people go through things, being kind of dis- disillusioned by this whole life thing, like material yeah. goods and yeah, like yeah, yeah. Sure. making sure other people like you a lot and just living for someone, somebody other than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's like, it kind of like gets a lot worse in middle school before it gets better. Oh yeah. And so philosophy is just something like right there in front of you that can tell you like, hey, it's it's fine. Like, we know this. Like, it's not like some big secret. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think it definitely, as you were saying in like middle school, when you're having like existential dilemmas and like crises for the first time, like philosophy definitely like paves a way for you to think. And it's like, hey, like people have been like having the same dilemmas for like thousands of years past. If you want to see what they had to say for it, like here. Yeah. Which can like do exactly. a lot for you. But I think both of us kind of found solace in Sisyphus yeah. or ab- absurdism, basically. Because yeah. that is the natural avenue where studying existentialism will lead, yeah. just naturally. I also think that that's what people come to realize throughout the course of their life, philosophy or not. I feel like we're learning all this prematurely. Mm-hmm. At some point, people are going to be like, okay, I can know everything. I can have everything. What does it matter? You know? Yeah. I, what was I trying to say? Oh, you can, like, be, like, besieged by, like, stuff and, like, knowledge. And you can be so consumed by it that you have no choice but to be, you just, like, give in to, like, being happy. You're like, what's, like, who cares? We're going to make sure I feel good. Like, I don't have to, like, justify that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we're called, we're, culturally conditioned to feel like us feeling good about ourselves mm-hmm. is contingent on how well we're doing whether yeah. it be in like in our career or what have you you know um and so that like kind of like philosophy chips away at whatever big illusion we have going on <laughs> yeah you know yeah i can definitely agree with you with like the absurdism part mm-hmm. i think for a lot of younger people it like is super comforting just because of it's like very uncompromising approach yeah like i don't know it kind of talks about like you can either get mad and the boulder rolls down or you can just like be happy about it and it's like you might as well be happy right like yeah, yeah exactly you, you can get mad exactly. about it 
but you you if you accept the fact that like everything's like ridiculous then you might as well be happy about it right you you just acknowledge that life is absurd and you live it anyways yeah totally instead of like the other way around which would be like a lot more depressing i think yeah no like that's good enough justification for me like it makes the most sense Mm -hmm. i i did not like schopenhauer and his i don't even know i forget what his text was called yeah but he went on a rampage about how life sucks yeah (laughs) but then i ended it with myth of sisyphus and i was like okay yeah like what if like the default of life is suffering maybe one day like somebody will like gift me a free ice cream on the street and then yeah (laughs) what tiny freaking split second like all my problems are gonna go away (laughs) you know yeah i never quite understand understood that like super fuck i'm so emo life is so life is so like horrible and like torturous and it's like maybe yeah but like as long as you acknowledge that and you realize that life is also kind of stupid you just live it anyways because what is it or something I used to always say. <laughs> oh yeah, not because you hope that you're wrong, but because you know that you're right. <laughs> like, wait, like expand. you have to acknowledge that <clears throat> life is absurd, and you live it anyways. Mm-hmm. Not because you hope that you're wrong, but you know that you're right. You know life yeah. is absurd, so fucking like might as well. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. So for Phil Club, big thoughts on like how to apply philosophy, especially for like younger budding philosophers <laughs> we were talking about the video from elon musk which <laughs> sorry, i'm gonna throw my light real quick yeah no worries which he's not my favorite person on the planet that night nightmare rotation another character yes <laughs> you know his tweet where he was like oh like the population decline is the biggest threat to humanity because we need to colonize mars and i'm like you and who elon musk like who said look who said we're colonizing Mars? Oh and like this guy has so much money and power that he can tweet this. And it's so it's so like I've always felt that like <laughs> Elon Musk is like a philosophical like theory in and of itself. Like I think he's just like so revealing of like I don't know, he has so much wealth and so much power. More than he could ever do with. And all yeah. he does is tweet because he just wants people validation. He wants to be a celebrity and you can't buy that. You can't buy people <laughs> liking you. <laughs> Too bad, Musk. That's, that's so true. Right? Very but sad. like, he like literally, like, he spreads his seed on purpose. He has eight kids that he doesn't talk to. He's like, yep, take my sperm. More kids. <laughs> like, An no. antinatalist nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what population decline we have more people than ever on earth like chill out a bit yeah (laughs) i don't know i like overpopulation is literally a problem fucking everywhere everywhere (laughs) i don't think we're prepared okay you know like darwin darwinism how like an ecosystem will evolve to adapt eventually so if there's overpopulation in one thing then eventually whether it be in like a billion years or a thousand or whatever a certain like species of whatever is going to start eating them and like stuff like that and so it like it grows naturally to be sustainable yeah like that's like the way that things naturally happen but now with us in the age of technology and like anthropological climate change and global warming and all these things we've caused that have set the planet planet back that we can't undo plus overpopulation we are now like out of tune with like that whole like i guess like darwinism theory of evolution thing Mm -hmm. we are a disruption like genuinely so i don't think that like i think this is unhealthy i mean everyone's saying this but like if you can refrain from having kids go ahead yeah like that's all i'm saying Episode four, guys. Listen to it. Antinatalism. <laughs> um, Cheering for antinatalism. <laughs> Kill your babies. No. <laughs> um, I don't know. Folk club for me, like philosophy for me was like always, I don't know. It's, I, sem- like, 
I flip between like understanding very much how people feel that philosophy is not applicable at all and then flipping over to like not understanding because personally I see philosophy literally ingrained in like every single part of my life mm-hmm. like when I think about like taking a math course taking a biology course like half of that shit I do it and I'm like wow I'm I'm never gonna use that ever again I just wasted like a hundred hours of my life doing this course yeah but then philosophy I take it and I'm kind of like like it I've been able to apply it more than literally anything else maybe it's because I've been able to like apply it onto myself if that makes sense yeah yeah but yeah <sighs> Hoping we can push, like, push out the notion that, like, philosophy isn't, like, completely useless and, and like, yeah. just for people who it's want to, like, just... pee on the streets, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's the critical thinking tools as well, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it scares me in some sense that people are scared or are not interested in just kind of questioning well okay wait I'm gonna sound really dumb just because I don't have my thoughts together but they're not interested in questioning the world around them at all they're like I don't care and I'm like just being me and like this is just the way I I am and I'm like sheep (laughs) (laughs) I'm like really I don't know no I think like I think we. it's an important tool like what is it we talk about it in English I hate to bring this guy up (laughs) <laughs> freaking Northup Fry or whatever. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was like, we have to learn to like question the media, question all of the information we're taught, yeah. this and that and whatever. Like philosophy will like be a gateway for that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if people are so dead set on just getting a right answer and moving on, yeah, that's not going to lead to human development it, i i personally don't think it is it's when we're like the right kind i guess yeah exactly in the wrong direction yeah i mean i feel like we need philosophy now more than ever you know if people are just like we're like we got like metaverse shit like the world is burning like rich people are about to just literally like fly to mars and just leave us all here and like i don't fucking know i really extrapolating here but like um I don't know. I think it's necessary for people to question literally everything and like their choices they make in life and be like, hey, like, is, am I going the right way about this? Like, is this going to like, in the end, benefit me? Or like us as a race? I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how I feel about like that big for the human race thing, but you know. Yeah. It's also like some philosophical texts are banned in certain um, controlled states and stuff like that which Mm -hmm. obviously isn't right but that goes to show that just reading a philosophical text and having an open mind towards it can really do a lot for somebody's ideology way of thinking yeah this is like super random but there's this like okay if you don't know i'm like i'm like i'm like a very proud minecraft fiend (laughs) (laughs) there's this minecraft server that's like made by a bunch of journalists Mm -hmm. and it's for people to like log on to and it's called the uncensored library and they have like books like on minecraft where it's just like literature that's been banned in different countries so you can like log onto minecraft and you can like join the server and you can oh my god look at stuff that's been banned and i do it sometimes when i'm bored and it's really interesting to like see what the government is trying to like hide from like different groups of people what is it (laughs) um a lot of it uh, interestingly a lot of it was like covid related stuff like actual false information or like no just like statistics and like oh yeah but like yeah it's worth like checking out i feel like there's also an appeal to philosophy Mm -hmm. because like philosophers just historically are like nutcases (laughs) Like, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't think I know, like, a single, like, normal philosopher. Gee, thanks, Allison. You know what? Touche. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I think I can admit that. <laughs> Even just, like, saying that about myself. <laughs> no, say. I'm not like other girls. <laughs> no, we got, like, we got, like, philosophers, like, pissing on the streets. We got, like, philosophers just, like, 
sitting in front of fireplaces and meditating for like three days on it. <laughs> no. Okay. Here, I think it was Heraclitus died by laughing at a donkey yeah. eating a thing. Oh, or he's so or, weird for that. <laughs> he's weird for that. And I think that's wait. These might be two different ones. Mm-hmm. It was either maybe he did both. I don't know. <laughs> Another philosopher <laughs> got like so depressed during his like philosophical query that he went up into a mountain and ate clay for the rest of his life alone. But here's the thing, like that also like I was like scared when I first started getting into philosophy and I, I had all this all these narratives telling me like oh like philosophers are like depressed and whatever. But I'm feeling great. <laughs> like I've yeah. read my existential philosophy. I've come to some like like totem poles and like how I feel yeah. about it and like I it's good. Yeah. Like I don't know. I'm choosing to feel good. Like I don't have to yeah. like I don't know. It's weird. But yeah, the, like it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, all the narratives that the philosophy field tends to push out is like you take philosophy and you'll realize like your eyes will open, your third eye will open and you'll realize how horrible this world is. Ah, like emo. And it's like actually real like, eyes philosophy. realize realize. Stop you know that? <laughs> no, I took philosophy and I fucking, it got me out of so many of, like, personal issues I was, like, struggling with. Like, I feel mm-hmm. fucking better than ever. And I think, like, I can attribute that a lot to, like, philosophy and what I've been able to, like, take away from that. Like, mm-hmm. take away from my courses. Like, it can go the other direction. I don't know why we don't push that out. Like, <laughs> maybe that's what we can do more. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. You have to be in the right headspace. I feel like reading Schopenhauer when you're, like, having a bad day is just not a good cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> like for for everyone's sake it's just something to look into yeah you know? <sighs> um yes so this is like a big topic flip <laughs> whatever um we wanted to talk about sort of like gender and mm-hmm. like expand on our conversation from last time where should i start Maybe we can talk a little bit about like the hyper hyper femininity wave and like that could lead into like yeah. a civilization. Sure. So there's this brand that I'm I just is at the top of my mind. There's also a lot of people following this brand because it's pretty popular. It's gaining traction. Mm-hmm. That sells a lot of like very provocative clothing that says some questionable shit on it. I will not lie. Mm-hmm. Stuff like I'm a slut <laughs> and like yeah. like Stuff of that nature. Let's just, like, put it that way. And recently, hyper-femininity has been repackaged as something that we can take a hold of and redefine for ourselves, Mm -hmm. which I feel like any time there's difference in oppression, this happens. Like, it repeats in a cycle. You know what I'm saying? Of, like, oh, you're oppressed. Now you can reclaim it. But, oh, no, that's bad. It's, like... You know, Audrey Lord, we were talking about this, the whole yep. difference in survival thing. Yeah. And how if unless you really take a step back and break yourself out of and look around and claim your difference for yourself, let's mm-hmm. say, it'll always be used against you. Yeah. So while I, I'm all for people wearing that and feeling good, personally, I'll just like give my own experience. I know that like when I'm wearing something maybe like a little bit like more revealing or like what have you. Nothing to that extent, mm-hmm. but still, the minute I, I feel good in my house, I feel good alone with my friends, my family, people who know me. But as soon as I step out into like public, I'm like, I, why am I not wearing like a cloak right now? Like I'm, ugh, yeah. I like don't feel good. Cause it's either that I'm told I'm getting negative attention, yeah, or it's actually happening, yeah. <laughs> I don't truly, I can't really make the distinguishment, but. Yeah. I feel like that negative attention is so internalized. And so to go out there and purposefully, like in your face, try and garner that as a form of uh, repurposing it mm-hmm. is something I don't quite understand. Maybe we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. I remember you talking sort of about like, what is that? 
like it's really easy to have like femininity or like whatever our differences mm-hmm. for ourselves and being able to feel like comfortable with ourselves when like we're alone but like the moment you go outside like not wanting to have that type of fem- femininity or power because you know it'll be exploited for other people like by other yeah. people or like having femininity in the way that men want it like immediately like yeah. when when I'm in my room when I'm alone when I'm like as you were saying like putting on these revealing clothes I can define like I can define these things for myself but the minute like I go outside like it's defined for me like my entire self exactly. or like perception of self or everything about myself immediately changes yeah I feel like that's very visceral for all female presenting people actually mm-hmm. which is really interesting mm-hmm. I'm not sure um I don't know I, I can't help but think that 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 wearing these things that say very provocative things on your person yeah. and it's like out in the open and you want people to see it I would be so terrified I would be terrified to do that personally oh, yeah. that's like where I don't understand it I can only imagine that somebody who I want to a respect want I want that person to respect me um view me as someone as who's like autonomous and like this this whole thing we've talked about it I would be robbing myself of that if I were to like dress super like (laughs) like wear one of those shirts or whatnot yeah yeah I can definitely imagine like even if I was a we we were talking about redefinition right Mm -hmm. even if I redefine it as something that is like empowering for myself that doesn't stop other people from using it against me you know, I can go out onto the street wearing that and I can be like, this is powerful and I can wholly believe in that. That doesn't mean other people are going to buy into it. If anything, it'll just like encourage people yeah, to use our differences against me even more. Exactly. I can't imagine, I can't help but imagine someone, some like creepy man would be like, oh, this is great. Girl boss, like you're wearing a top that says like, yeah, you know, I've seen well, a lot of super hot. Like, I don't like see the like see where it acts in any way of like breaking misogynistic gender norms. If anything, it's kind of making them worse. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's weird because I've seen a lot of like there's the hashtag like free the nips or whatever, right? Yeah, like for people with boobs to be able to like female presenting people with boobs to be able to have their tits out if they want. Um, and I see a lot of like TikToks about that and people will like be on the for you page or whatever and they'll be like wearing a shirt with it like a bra underneath which is like slay right and mm-hmm. and they're like hashtag free the nips and like a bunch of like people in the comments will be like haha yeah keep doing that like keep doing that like we yeah haha like free the nip like we enjoy that for sure and it's like yeah. fuck <laughs> <laughs> like it just it's just another one of those examples of like even if you do it for yourself like it doesn't redefine it for others I'm not sure how how we get to that point. There's really no simple way. No. Uh, I'm really I'm trying to think of like a solution here. Um. Well, if we want to like reference back to Audrey Lord and that one conversation or like that one seminar that I sat in on, <laughs> just to fill a seat or whatever, um, she talks about having to read our redefine ourselves which and like recontextualize ourselves and what is it that that one idea that we had was to like do it through like literature or through media to like redefine yourselves and recontextualize yourself within media is to like because I don't know I often feel that like life is much more a reflection of media and literature than it is the other way around if that makes sense so I totally think if you yeah if you were to like redefine yourself within media somehow do that like write stories direct movies where you redefine women let's say or whatever minority as the way you want them to be perceived in a way that like your differences and your similarities are defined by yourself maybe that would be a way to go through with it yeah we were talking about this in english like Mm -hmm. all of our um we were talking about like race gender class in literature and media Mm -hmm. And something, I I read a thing about disability and 
in the media, disability is often treated as something that has to be cured and like is bad. And that the status quo in this sense is an able-bodied person. And that's who disabled people have to aspire to be or hate that they're not. Yeah. And like the, the social more progressive view is that being disabled is just another um, cornerstone in your social political identity. Yeah. It's neither good or bad. It's you, mm-hmm. which I feel like realizing that as anybody is crucial mm-hmm. to realize that you've been conditioned to feel like something about you is inherently wrong. Yeah. It's not. Um, and so I feel like in a lot of ways when we're talking about this whole like repurposing femininity thing, it's really like there's no wrong way to do it, <laughs> you know, yeah. but still it, it feels so visceral and like, it's not necessarily like, oh, I have to be a man in order to be like, no, yeah. it's, 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 yeah, I think it's like, parallel works a lot differently with like men and women for sure than it does like rotating like class and gender and all that stuff. Um. I feel like the status quo for women is like a really attractive, like rich white woman, <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah, I think it's yeah, as you're saying, it's not about redefining yourselves um, in <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's not about redefining yourself into like according to masculine standards, but it's just mm-hmm. I think about redefining yourself outside of the identity of being oppressed, you know? Like, to be a woman or to be whatever, to be whatever a minority is, to be inherently oppressed and sort of trying to, like, work your way around that. You know, we have a unique perspective going to an all-girls private school. I hate to bring this up again. Yeah. But it's true. My whole life, I've been conditioned to think that girls were great, I was great, my ideas were valid and respected and valued because I went to an all-girls school. Yeah. And how was I supposed to really experience anything different? Yeah. And so, again, with the whole kind of fairy tale bubble thing, I feel like that's also kind of a realization that I'm I'm gonna have to come to figure out on my own. I I'm still like very like unsure as to what extent like my privilege and oppression yeah. lies. You know. Yeah. I don't know. For me, I remember the first time I was in a classroom that wasn't like all all female or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just like men talking so fucking much and just talking over me. And whenever I made a good point, them like repeating it and like getting like credibility for it, or just like literally anything. People saying like men saying like surface level like comments. Yeah. Like I'm never gonna be listened to in this like academic context, and it made me so mad. Like I, I just had to like sit back and like listen. And I was just like, there's no point in, like, opening my mouth. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to it anyways. Well, yeah, it's it's the whole narrative that before you even open your mouth, some people are going to automatically assume that you're just a dumbass for being a girl. Um, I don't think that's everyone. I think there's, like, a handful of people who are incels who feel this way. But, like... I can definitely, like, imagine, see it as, like, a socialized thing you know kind of like pre-programmed mm-hmm. into a lot of people it's just like inherent societal like biases i don't know like i was very like this is ridiculous but i remember like <laughs> like manic like dyeing my hair red and then kind of thinking about like wow i'm gonna like i'm head of like modern equity mm-hmm. and being very aware that like people are gonna come to me with equity issues and I'm gonna have to try to talk to people and immediately when they look at me, they're gonna see like blue haired feminist, red haired feminist or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That I'm I'm sorry about that. I <laughs> I know you're all good. <laughs> Remember in class when this one teacher was like, What happened to your hair? I'm like, she died it <laughs> i don't know just uh-huh. weird stuff like that yeah it's just 
you will be kicked like a horse for like trying to be like, a little bit different or like god forbid have a cool hair color like we're all like looking the same over here kicked like a horse nietzsche is rolling in his grave isn't he <laughs> like why did i do that <laughs> <laughs> no you're so right um i don't know but I, I remember the minute I dyed my hair red, I was like, wow, this is going to come with so many like societal like connotations and like implications. That's so interesting. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> uh, it's just like so ridiculous. It's like everything, especially when you're a girl, just like every single part of your identity, just having to be like super hyper aware of it. Uh, yeah. Back to tropes, because everything has been fucking troped. Red hair yeah, has been troped. for us yeah. before we even Blue hair has been it. troped. I can't exist outside of a trope. So, what is there for me to do? <laughs> uh, um, it's also kind of like to talk about cultural conditioning. Mm -hmm. Some men genuinely think that they're entitled to a say, but not like in any serious way. This one teenage guy told me he thought it was stupid when girls wear a bunch of necklaces stacked onto each other. He just told me that it didn't look good. I'm like, I get that everyone's much. entitled to like their like view on fashion and art, I guess. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the way he was saying it to me was like he was genuinely giving me like some advice. He was like, I don't like it. He yeah. looked me in the eye. He was like, I don't like it. I had like I've had multiple guys come up to me and they're like, oh, it's so unattractive when like girls put on makeup. Like they should just be able to like go outside and like be like natural. And they'll kind of. Yeah. In the same way, they'll just kind of look at you and be like, you should keep that in mind. It's like. Mm -hmm. How about you just shut your fucking mouth? They're <laughs> like, like a little pro tip. It's like, I don't care. Like pro tip. Why do you sit around playing Call of Duty for seven hours every day? Yeah. Touch grass for real. <laughs> touch grass. FR. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Something I really wanted to talk about that I thought was really interesting is masculinity and femininity and like the accessibility of it um i think we talked about this briefly but to be like feminine it's like super super straightforward on like what you need to do to become feminine <laughs> i think you said like put yeah. on a necklace and that's feminine and it's like yeah. putting on a skirt and that's feminine but for guys masculinity is more like a state of being <laughs> yeah and i find it odd that like it's not really that way for like femininity like if it is um if it is it's in a way that i think a lot of men can't understand does that make sense there's, yeah there's so much cultural conditioning around there's such an emphasis on a man being a man like patriarchal standards being the head of the family being the protector what have you it's a whole thing mm -hmm. if a male presenting person feels in whatever way they don't live up to that that in itself is we talk about this difference that it creates and that's it, i I feel, I feel like it's like a little ball of energy that like has to <laughs> something like yeah. has to go somewhere like that's like how i like view it in my mind um i i find it strange though because I'll never understand this, but I don't understand. I don't really get how, what, a, what socially, culturally, economically, literally, whatever tells men in the first place that their, their masculinity is invalid. I can't, I don't really understand how that's like, or do you think that it's some, some problem that happens in the home, like a parental issue where they're told they're not good enough and then they go into the world and excuse me place that on them of being masculine oh okay so for that. me this is always pointed to it's really weird i've always seen it as just men bouncing off each other <laughs> like to expand like i think it comes from a lot of like guys looking at the media 
and seeing the way like men are like stereotypically supposed to be like admired you know for strength for you know being the hero saving a girl being very macho whatever but then also realistically i feel like that's not what a lot of my like female friends are looking for in men um but because the media not me yeah because i don't really understand that either yeah because that's not what the female gaze is looking for but because the media is made for the male gaze and made by men they just think that's what people are looking for so then they just like bounce off each other and then Mm. it just keeps going in like literally every single aspect of their lives and truth is like none of it's real so no one actually genuinely feels like they have like masculine masculinity like down yeah (laughs) but really like that creates a massive, massive problem and a bigger, yeah. like, psychological manifestation than I would say if some female presenting person feels uncomfortable in their femininity. That's a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. Men get angry and it, like, yeah. fucks shit up, um, which is bad. And I'm just, that that's where I'm like, I wonder what it is. Like, is the cultural emphasis on being a man's man so strong that like this is how we feel they feel so invalid when they feel like they're not living up to it because literally how could they i feel like i don't know i think it's because so many men the only way they feel that they can get their masculinity is through validation of other men because that's also how it works within media right it's like the whole roundabout thing we were talking about so the media like the immediate reaction when they get invalidated is to be intensely more masculine which is just being violent (laughs) <laughs> just like mm, what the hell that's a very good point you kind of answered it <laughs> it's <laughs> it blows my mind um so often i feel this is like another topic but so often i just feel that like femininity is like past like the skirts and all the little necklaces <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's like an entire experience of like growing up as like a female presenting person that like men are never going to be able to like understand Like, they're never going to understand, like, the complexities and the the horrors, if that's the way to put it, and the literal, like, fears that you you have to experience when growing up as, like, a female presenting person. Yeah, that's very true. I feel like, and I've thought about this. I, I hope that, like, me and, like, my future boyfriend (laughs) or, like, whatever don't have like some sort of like can't get to know each other fully because we're so disillusioned by our own like gender like i'm gonna keep viewing him through the stereotype and he'll keep viewing me through the stereotype and we're never gonna break the boundary of like just actually just being people like just people yeah um i hope that like someone can like console me on this i don't think it's like necessarily impossible i guess my mom always says she's like you can't this is so like gross but she's like you can't date someone who's under your intellect it just won't work (laughs) because she likes to like tell me i'm smart you know my mom says that sometimes Mm -hmm. so (laughs) but if i can understand that like some things i know about being a man and being masculine or wrong and i'm like yeah. open to like understanding that hopefully somebody that i attract will be open to that too yeah and then my problem's gone <laughs> i don't even really know what i was trying to say but yeah that's like a fear of mine yeah <laughs> i've been thinking a lot about how we like as a person who's very like very questioning of my gender and like what it even means and like how it affects me within like every second of my life like i've been mm-hmm. thinking a lot about like the sap reading we did like our anthropology reading it was i'm sorry I'll, I'll link it in the description whatever i i i got mr brown to like email it to me oh my god <laughs> i know um and i i can also tie this to like judith butler a little bit um but we were just talking about like how we like do gender and how gender is just sort of like different sets of like actions and behaviors that are associated with like girls and boys and men and women. And it's like, what is it? Judith Butler said something about like, I read it in like, I think it was literally like 
a philosophy reading. Like, my sibling took philosophy in grade 12, and I think they did, like, a product on Judith Butler. And mm-hmm. they, like, were very, like, enthralled by it, so I ended up reading it as well. Mm-hmm. But they, Judith Butler defined it as, like, a stylized repetition of acts. It's, like, gender is, like, instituted through stylization of, like, the body and bodily gestures and movements and enactments of, like, different kinds of whatever. Yeah. See, that's what I don't understand. And I don't know. It just makes me think about, like, to be, like, truly, like, genderless, I guess, or to be perceived as, like, truly genderless. I wonder how I have to, like, change the way I act or, like, move. Exactly. I. It's really weird. It is quite strange how we go to our body language to try to present mm-hmm. more on one spectrum and the pole or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how like that became so innate to us. Like I've been told I walk like a girl, I talk like a girl, yeah. what have you. <laughs> like I get it, but where did I learn to do all those things? How much right. of me is like society's me? Right? I think it stresses me out. I think about like yeah. how much autonomy I have, and then my answer is always just fucking none. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like so scary. I don't know. Judith Butler talks about like gender transformation and like the possibility of like a repetition of a different sort of acts would like break your gender, break through your gender. I've been thinking about that a lot. How are you supposed to walk and. <laughs> This is something I, like, I don't know. As sometimes You know, like when the I, TikTok, like, oh, sorry. No, sometimes when I genuinely, like, want to, like, present more masculine, I walk differently. Like, consciously? Do you, like, do it consciously for a bit and then it becomes more natural or, like? It's kind of like a state of mind. <laughs> we were talking about this, like, really feminine and mascul- masculine inity. Yeah. Both those, sorry, yeah. are like two are like energies that you can like embody. Yeah, I feel like it's a very easy way to look at it. Yeah, and probably very accurate in that we're in constant flow of like both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always I think that like <laughs> this is stupid, but it, for like state of being, I think that being cool is like a state of being doesn't have to be how you like talk or like literally anything mm-hmm. if you're cool I can like I'll, I'll recognize it <laughs> and I'll like respect it I have to think about that one a little longer <laughs> she's so lost <laughs> that's kind of that's interesting I, I think I kind of know what you mean yeah it feels like a an energy yeah that you carry with and like a a secret language <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> but like yeah i don't know I, I i think about like if you were just to like strip people of like everything and they're just like a body they could be completely gendered by the way they move does that make sense yes it's like, really weird <laughs> right and then i think about like how i can redefine my own gender by walking See, this is silly. When I I feel more feminine, my feet point together. When I feel more masculine, my feet point outwards and I walk more like out. And then my, I don't know. It's very like, I don't know. And then I like kind of get weirded up about the fact that I'm probably like playing into gender stereotypes and that might be a little damaging, but also I don't know like how to like validate myself outside of that. Um. <laughs> yeah you know it's also so weird Ugh. Ugh, I hate talking about this the whole question of like how much of me is me is really disturbing in my experience but I'm also like attracted to like like men and like how they like talk and like move and stuff like that and like if that's cultural conditioning is the only part that's like innate about that whole thing like pheromones like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> can i what? tell you this is what? literally like the reason um i've never really been able to perceive people as like anything other than like kind of like pieces of meat 
<laughs> like the way you look fucking whatever because stripped all of all of that we're just bones and flesh <laughs> right like the only thing like our gender isn't even real so for that reason like it oftentimes or like no yeah our gender isn't even real so for that reason like it never plays into like any consideration of i have of like who's attractive or who's not or like who i'm attracted to or who i am not attracted to that makes sense oh that's cool actually no i will say that i think that attraction has a lot to do with energy mm -hmm. you know you just like click with somebody and you don't even know why mm -hmm. i feel i feel like that's pretty genuine because mm -hmm. it's a very visceral experience. Um, but yeah, dude, I don't know. <laughs> this is where I like halt the brakes and I'm like, yeah, this is going to send me spiraling. <laughs> I'm already really? spiraling. Oh, speaking of which, the TikTok I tagged you in about like hell being when like, the person you could have been meets who you are, like at the end of your life. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? I don't know. Very much. I've said this multiple times, but very much as a person who like plays into John Locke's the mind is a blank slate, tabula rasa. And through that, every single action, I mean, every single one, every single experience down to the molecule having an effect on my personality. I think there are yeah. infinite pers like possibilities of who I could have been, just depending on like different experiences I might have had and different choices. Very much everything, yeah. everywhere, all at once. Energy. I don't know if you've watched that. But I uh, I haven't watched it, but I know like the multiverse theory and everything. Yeah. Um. Very much agree with like the multiverse. Like kind of, I could have been like anyone. Just like like any type of person, just depending on like the choices I made. Like every single choice I've ever made. So, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? Something that I feel like is, like, free therapy for me, I always, historically, I've been, like, a very big past regretter and worrier. Yeah. And I'm, like, first of all, objectively, the past does not exist anymore. It is not accessible to you. Second of all, things happen exactly the way they did, and you couldn't have changed it, you know? Yep. Sometimes when you're feeling, like, you know when like you've done something so embarrassing you're like i'm a fucking idiot you're just like every day down. yeah like i don't know i feel like it it's a useful tool in like kind of removing yourself from that and when i like when i start feeling like worrying about the past i'm trying to get really good about not but like i'm just like it doesn't exist it doesn't exist it's done it's gone like you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> was that even like on topic? I don't want to send I don't want to send you another into another like into a spiral. But do you remember block theory? Oh yeah, that everything's happening right now. <laughs> I, first of all, I never really understood that. <laughs> it's like I like, like it's I I remember like, like understanding it for like a minute and just being like fuck I don't care <laughs> like I, whatever. <laughs> I I think it's like us like orbiting around like a big ball of universe and us just like spinning in it with like an umbilical cord and like us like <laughs> going <laughs> like that's to be completely fair with you. That's sort of how I picture myself right now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't think about it often, but like, I've, that's like the image. No, literally. Often. Sometimes I like, I don't know. I come back from like a day at school and I like go into my room and I'm like, oh, I'm here again. <laughs> <It's> so weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I definitely think that the block universe theory is real. I, I think that like the universe is like too big <laughs> for us to like even understand. Like it. Things are not as it seems, but I've like, I've, yeah. I've like kind of grappled with that and I've come to peace with it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but like, we're never going to know like what's what, like, let's just like do what we want. Again, yeah. like absurdist. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the circles we're, li back. we're living in a spinning ball of universe, like orbiting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
Okay. Well, we can, like, topic flip. We can go to tropes. The amount of times I've actually gotten troped. Somebody was being a tropestigator, guys. That's a new term. (laughs) Tropestigator. I, oh yeah, the first time I dyed my hair and I like showed people, someone like commented to me there like, you look like like a protagonist in like an anime. Well, you could just say you look good. Right. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't say that to somebody who like dyed their hair like light brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. We don't even, like, realize we're, like, doing this stuff. Troping is just, like, so innate to us. Like, just, like, pointing a finger and being like, you are that, you are that, you are that. And it's also now, like, doing it to, like, ourselves. Yeah. And I wonder about, like, what the difference is. Like, if there is one. Like, I'm sure there is. But, like, when we, like, trope ourselves and we're kind of, like, identifying ourselves as, like, buzzwords instead of, like, people doing that for us, I guess maybe it's, like, a way for us to, like, claim some kind of autonomy over the whole situation in sort yeah. of, like, a roundabout way. Like, if I'm going to be just demeaned into a bunch of different words, I might as well do it for myself. Yeah, exactly. But then it's, like, also very stripping of your personality. For sure. I don't think I've personally fell into the trap of, like, choking myself. Me but I know too. people Not who yet. have. Yeah. I don't know. I've had well, some people... internet doing these days tropes. We said we'd check back with any new tropes. I feel like there's not... There's no, like, big ones circling around right now. Um, I'm sure there will be. <laughs> I, there's been multiple times where people, like, kind of, like, ask me, like, what type of, like, I don't know, like, what style do you dress as? And I'm always worried I'm going to get... <laughs> yeah. Get oh, that really myself. bothers me. Yeah. Because I, I feel like I have to have a style or have some descriptor for it. I genuinely just wear the clothes that I like. Me too. And obviously it's influenced by social media and culture. Completely. Yeah. I want to, in order to feel good in the clothes that I step out in, I have to have some assurances that other people are going to look at it and be like, okay, that's cool. Why would I step out in something purposefully ugly? I feel like that goes for everybody. Redefining fashion, maybe? (laughs) Mm. Okay. I think, I think we're ready to round things off here. um yeah i think we covered a good a good bit we had some good insights into the philosophy field what Mm -hmm. we're going to do with the club maybe we'll have some budding new ideas after this and then this this is going to send me spiraling probably a little bit into like gender theory but there are worse things to spiral into yeah (laughs) so why not but yeah thank you guys for listening and joining and joining us Thanks, guys. Yeah, well, maybe we'll do this again. (laughs) Who who knows what'll come next? (laughs) Okay.